Hi, and you're very welcome to the Final Whistle League of Ireland podcast. We're not talking League of Ireland this week. Of course, it was the weekend of the FAI Cup opening round fixtures. All 20 teams in the draw, 12 non-league sides made it through to this stage as well. And we're going to be talking about some of those later on in the programme. We're joined by Kelman Manor manager Keith Foy, of course, no stranger to uh, audiences across the league, particularly those in Pats, Sligo Rovers, and a couple of us diehard Dublin City players or fans, should I say, who uh, got to watch him in the flesh over the years, uh, a naturally talented left back, and we'll be talking about his wand of a left foot, his uh, team's, I suppose, flowed through the FAI Cup so far, and also uh, maybe a couple of other bits and pieces of interest around Kilnamana itself. We'll also be talking about that goal, Glenn McCauley. Nearly a million people have seen it on Twitter in the last 48 hours. Uh, but we're not going to be talking to Glenn about the goal. We're going to be talking to the voice on that video, and that's Gordon Brett, who is a match commentator in Athlone for their game so far. We're going to be talking to him about the goal, of course. Athlone's win at the weekend. Oh, sorry, it wasn't even Athlone's win. What am I saying? They lost the game on penalties, of course. And um, we'll be talking about that hugely eventful match, but also about the whole LOI TV project as well. Uh, and I'm joined, of course, for all of this. I should have done this much earlier, Dean. Dean Zambra joins me back again, fresh from his 5-0 win in that very competition at the weekend over Bangor GGFC. It's an amalgamation of a whole load of Dublin clubs up there. Dean, you're very welcome to the programme. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, haven't been on in a while, it seems, but we're, uh, we're back to talk FAI Cup. Well, I suppose it's not that we haven't had you back. We just haven't been able to get a show out over the last few weeks because of a number of clashes of schedules, a whole lot of stuff. You're an engaged man now. I know you're going around tasting cake all over the place. Uh, that's the only wedding joke I'll make, I promise. Uh, but no, talk to us maybe, first of all, about your game at the weekend. Uh, Bishopsgate, the venue, Bangor in town, 5-0 win. You've got to be happy with that. Yeah, uh, definitely, you know, we needed to just win the game, get into the next round. They can be tricky, it can be banana skins. Um, at this stage of the cup competition, you know, playing a non-league side, and sometimes you don't know a huge amount about who you're playing either. Um, we are lucky enough that we had a little bit of uh, reconnaissance done, and we, we kind of had a little bit of a plan, and we also knew a couple of players, um, Derek Prendergast and Davey O'Sullivan and that. Like, so we had a, a little idea of a, of a couple of the players. But yeah, really important just to get the win and um, get a couple of goals and all is a, is a good boost in the arm too. So into the into the next round, I'm happy with that. Davey O'Sullivan, I'm sure Longford Town fans needed absolutely no introduction to him. He's Is he, is he the club's top scorer over the years? I know he's definitely up there. Yeah, leading scorer, club's leading scorer. Yeah, didn't get one on Sunday, of course, which uh, or Saturday, which of course you'll be absolutely delighted about from a defensive point of view at the club. Um, and we'll move quickly through them because there's so many extra games to get through this week. I suppose the biggest talking point of the weekend probably came in the last game. I listened to it live on Ocean on Sunday evening. I happened to be in the car and I listened to Jessica Ferry and, and Alan Keane, who's normally with us here as well, um, commentate on the game. And they really cursed it by saying there's been no cup upsets this weekend. Uh, it, it arrived and it arrived in style Cork City themselves no stranger to the cup but living in a very different universe now than they were a couple of years ago what did you make of that uh, surprise is probably well I, I'm shocked to be honest because based on form you would have expected Sligo to win that every single time yeah like, I think like you're right there I think everyone expected Sligo to win it and probably quite comfortably but um, you just can't take it for granted in the cup and we see in Cork, you know, kind of struggle a little bit in the first division, haven't really hit form. And we've been talking about maybe they're going to, you know, break through. Maybe they'll hit a bit of form. Maybe some of the young players will step up. And, and they hadn't up until this point. Um, so it was a big, big shock. But um, 
on any given day, especially in the cup, anything can happen. And and probably Cork City deserve to to come away winners in the end. I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, I think so. Of course, Romeo Park scored two goals for the bit of red, but Binion O'Brien Whitmarsh had pulled one back on 28 minutes before Dale Holland scored the winner. Dylan McGlade, of course, popped in there as well with a penalty on 55 minutes. Uh, nerve wrecking, eight, eight to 10 minutes of injury time played. Sligo just couldn't find an equaliser. Uh, they'll be very, very disappointed with that, particularly given where Cork are at the moment, as we said at the start of the piece. Uh, next up, Wexford FC 3 versus Cavantili. It's a good solid victory for Wexford. They weren't playing non-league teams. You kind of, maybe in your own position, you expect to win that game. It's a lose-lose for the club. You don't get any credit for beating them, but you, all you can do is get uh, any credit when you don't. Wexford were playing league opposition, and they kind of defied the, the odds coming into it, because I think most people would have expected Cavantili to get through this on league form, at least. Yeah, and I heard Pat Devlin talking after the game, and he kind of said they were they were a bit taken aback in, in a 10, 15 minute spell where they ended up being 3-0 down and and pretty much that was game game over. They made four changes, I think, at half time to try and, you know, change it up. But the game's probably lost at that point. But I think there's been steady improvement under Ian Ryan uh, with Wexford. So maybe it's not a huge surprise that they they uh you know they caught someone off guard and got a win. And, you know, at this stage of the season for them, a little cup run could be a very good thing as well. Yeah, of course. Three first half goals, Kyle Robinson, Jack Doherty and Jack, Jack Moylan, uh, two Jacks there. Uh, but all those goals scored in the last 10 or 12 minutes of the first half and I just set them up nicely. Another 2-0 home win um, for UCD. That's not all that unusual this year, but what is unusual is the opposition defeated. Shelburne, their first defeat in all competitions this year. Uh, they'll be disappointed. They would have been expected no more than the previous game to go and take all, uh, to get the, the place in the second round to draw when they travelled over to Belfield. Yeah, um, again, probably a bit of a surprise, even though I think it's it's first against third, is it, in first division terms. But, um, you know, again, you, you take your eye off the ball and you can get caught out. And, you know, we go to a place like UCD with very good young players, talented players. And if you're not fully at it or fully kind of committed to the, to the game, you know, that can happen. Um, I'm sure Ian will be disappointed, but I, I think overall the long-term goal is just to win the league and come up. So maybe they're not all that uh, disappointed, but they probably would have seen themselves having a couple of more games in the Cup anyway. Yeah, a couple of lads on that shell side maybe haven't had that much action this year. So uh, they'll be disappointed with the performance, but at the same time, UCD into the next round of the Cup. They're always an outside bet for a decent run in the Cup. One side who saw their league, uh, or the, I keep confusing myself with competitions this week, one side who fell out of the Cup on uh, Saturday evening was, of course, uh, Bray Wanderers. They played St. Pat's uh, actually so, Friday evening. Um, 6 0, the final score there. Uh, surprised by that, by the, the size of the score, because I think I didn't see Bray getting beaten by six goals in that particular encounter. Although Pats have been impressive this season. Yeah, I think Pats have been have been really good at times, and obviously that was an, another one at the weekend. Um, I think Gary would be a little surprised that they were they were beaten so convincingly. He probably thought they would they would have had a chance, kind of maybe keep it close and, and try to get an upset. But um, I don't think he rotated too much either. So, like, that was the guts of a, of their first 11 out on the pitch as well. Like, you know, maybe a couple of changes that were enforced. But uh, I think he'd be a little disappointed with the nature of the defeat. And, you know, obviously for Stevie and Pats, they, they keep flying. So, uh, they'd be delighted. Yeah, in terms of, I suppose, those first divisions versus Premier Division clashes, we look at Pats and Sligo both doing well at the top of the table. Bray, impressive enough form at times this season, as have Cabantili, and yet, or sorry, as Corker has been poor, 
and yet we see Cork rising to the challenge, taking on Sligo, beating Sligo, and Brave falling out to six 0 Like, where exactly does that fit in your in your estimation? Because you've played in both of those leagues in the last two seasons. Like, is the gap as big as Pat's win would suggest, or is it as tight as Cork's win would suggest? I think it's a consistency thing, and uh, I think when you come to the first division, you see that like you can any of the teams can win, lose, or draw every weekend. There doesn't seem to be a kind of consistent, apart from kind of Wexford to have struggled and Shells to have pulled away. The rest is a group of kind of you know mixed bag. You don't know what you're going to get, and that's probably again what happened at the weekend. Like Cork City rose to the occasion, got a performance that they haven't probably gotten more than two or three occasions this season. Bray, on the other hand, have been inconsistent that we as we've talked about they've gone on a couple of little runs of not winning couple of little runs of winning games and then they don't turn up for the cup game you know so i just think it points to the inconsistency and probably the main difference between the leagues is you know consistent performances are usually attributed to the premier division teams and the teams at the top of the premier division and then inconsistency is usually what happens in the first division yeah, speaking of consistency with teams at the top of the Premier Division, uh, Shamrock Rovers 2-0 winners over Galway United. Two early scores, Rory Gaffney and Dylan Watts opened the score in 17 minutes, 21 minutes respectively. Uh, pretty much game over then. wasn't really much chance for, for Galway to get back into that. Um, will they be disappointed or will they be just focusing back on maybe their league campaign, which has picked up speed in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think uh, John will just hope that doesn't derail the good form in the league. Um if they had got anyone else, maybe apart from Rovers away, they might have thought about like a nice little cup run. But um, you know, Rovers away is a tough, a tough out for them, and uh, I think they'll just focus on the league and hope it doesn't make a, a dent in their league form. And you know, for Rovers, it just seemed a little bit routine, and and they keep plugging away at, at, on a couple of different fronts. Yeah, of course. Uh, Friday night, plenty of non-league teams in the in the competition as we spoke, but twelve in total. There were four all uh, non-league. Get clashes between uh, four sides from the, the various intermediate leagues and junior leagues around the country. The first one of those we're going to talk about is Maynooth University Town and Malahide United out in the university in Maynooth. Um, Malahide United always been there, thereabouts. 4 0 though, final score to Maynooth University Town and um, Paddy O'Sullivan with a hat trick as part of that. It's, it's kind of one of those things where you don't really know what you're getting week in, week out with these uh, lesser senior league sides, but Manute would be delighted with that. I know they had a bit of a cup run a couple of seasons ago. Uh, could they be an outside bet for maybe a, a quarterfinal or a semifinal spot? Yeah, I don't see why not. They, uh, they've actually been a very good side for a couple of years now and kind of made very good progress there. So, you know, you, 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 like you said, you never know and they might catch a team, they might catch a League of Ireland uh, first division team or Premier Division team that doesn't know a huge amount about them. And again, you get that situation where a cup game, a one-off, you get everybody up for the game and there's a huge motivation for, for those non-league teams. So I'm sure they're, they're thinking, why not? And and again, there's a possibility they draw another non-league team in the next round too. So they'll be probably thinking, uh, why not? Why not go on a cup run and, and keep the kind of last couple of years of decent form and de- decent cup runs going? Yeah, no, there's definitely a couple of extra non-league teams floating around in that last 16 draw, which happens tomorrow evening as we're recording this, uh, Tuesday evening, so uh, probably this evening as people are listening. Um, it's it's kind of one of those things, do you take a, a non-league draw or do you take a, a, a scalp? Do you want to bring a Shamrock Rovers to your patch and have a crack at them or, or do you want maybe a, a relatively easier passage 
potentially to an FAI quarterfinal. Uh, one of those things, we might talk to Keith Foy about that later on in the show. Um, in terms of Premier Division teams getting knocked out, only two. We've already talked about Sligo. Drogheda United, the only other side, not in that draw tomorrow evening. They went out on penalties to Derry City, 2-4 uh, on final on the penalties, but one all after the, the game. Two sending offs here for uh, Drogheda. They finished the game with nine men. Dane Massey sent off for what looked like, based on some of the photographic evidence I saw floating around, um, relatively uncertain whether it hit his arm, whether it hit his upper chest, uh, but sent off for stopping the ball on the line. Uh, James Brown, of course, then sent off for second yellow towards the end of the game. But they did well considering they played 120 minutes, uh, only conceded in the, the last minute of injury time as well. Uh, your thoughts on, on Derry versus uh, Adrana? Uh, I know Connor, Connor Howie and Kevin Darty were both very upset after the game and, and spoken in different uh, media outlets about it. Like um, Dane's one's very hard to see. I don't know if it's a definitive handball or not. Like we said, like you said yourself, there's there's screenshots on the video, and you know it's it's very difficult to see. Uh, with Jim, Jimmy Brown, it, it seemed kind of obvious it was a penalty, didn't it? Uh, it looked like he was fouled, and even if it, if he wasn't fouled, the referee deems it wasn't enough. It, it definitely didn't seem like he dived, and and to then subsequently send him off. So, I think they can probably feel very hard done by. And then even on top of that, they done so well with nine players to to kind of go it out, and and still didn't get the result. So, I think they can probably feel a little bit hard done by. And at the stage of the season they're in, they're probably you know quite safe from relegation something that might have been on the radar at the start of the season so a cup run could have been great for them and, and they might have been looking at it as an opportunity to win a trophy you know to go along with their, their good league form so I think they'd be bitterly disappointed that it ended in that way and in that manner and then again for Derry it doesn't matter does it they just they're in the next round so they don't really care like at the end of the day it's cup football, it's cup football that all that matters now we you have to get through five or six uh, more games before we get to Keith Foy who's going to be joining us really really shortly to talk about that killing the man of victory at the weekend Fairview Rangers uh, they went down to Finn Harps kind of as we expected here yeah uh, but in, in or in extra time sorry not uh, not in normal time so um, I think the first goal is important so once it came I think you know that probably settled Harps down a little bit more and then they seen it out and then probably the, the higher level of fitness um, once it had gone into extra time then as well told so um, probably what we expected but maybe not expected extra time that's all yeah, no, uh, some of the junior performances of the uh, Fairview are junior side, but some of the intermediate junior performances this weekend have been uh, really, really good. One of those other all non-league clashes, Colester, Donny Carney and Usher Celtic, uh, very little between these two sides. It was an own Fowler strike that separated those two teams at the end. Um, Colester will be happy in the next round. Usher disappointed, obviously. Yeah, I think there was a noise coming out, Usher, like, you know, that they could they could maybe do something or they, they would have liked a couple of... Uh, rounds in the cup and and they would have fancied maybe a won the league of Ireland team so they'd be a little bit disappointed that they couldn't push past Colester uh, and then get into the to the half for the next round but um uh, a great result for Colester and they get uh, you know potentially a good draw for themselves in the next round. Yeah, for, uh, down in Limerick as well, alongside Fairview, Treaty United, of course, flying the Limerick flag over the weekend. Dundalk in town. Um, it took them long enough, but Patrick McElhenney, I'm not even sure how much he knew about it, deflected off the Limerick player into the back of the net. Um, Treaty, like that would have been a big scalp for Treaty had they managed to, to even get that to penalties. Yeah, and just what we expect from Tommy's teams now and, and Treaty every week is, is a difficult game for the opposition. And that was actually one I looked at over the whole weekend said like 
they could win or they could definitely cause an upset or, or a really tight game. I didn't see it being a big victory for Dundalk down there. And I'm sure they, they knew that themselves going down and they, they got a, they got a hell of a run for their money, didn't they? So, um, again, from the dog's point of view, happy to be in the next round and, you know, three to be a little bit disappointed, but I think the, the journey they're on in the first division so far this season, uh, they're just going to keep playing away with that and, and whatever comes of it is a bonus to them, you know? Yeah, I think their playoff uh, target is probably more important than a cup run just at the moment for Treaty. And Liffey Wanderers, they were in the UCD Bowl on Sunday afternoon. They played Cove Ramblers uh, Sunday morning, actually, 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, that was uh, another situation where a first division team or a League of Ireland side struggled to break down a non-league side. 2-0 eventually, again, two goals in injury time. Just a little bit of extra fitness probably paid off. Yeah, exactly. Um, you expect the League of Ireland team to win out in the end, um, but you're also expecting you know the the non-league side to put it up to them, and that's exactly what you got. Cove couldn't quite break them down, but eventually, uh, as time wore on, uh, they eventually found gaps and, and were able to you know secure the win and get into the half. Yeah, and not, a, not, a, not a, an easy place to go in the next round as well. So if anyone gets uh, Cove Ramblers away, you know that's not an easy draw. So. They could have their roles reversed uh, the next time. Like someone could be coming to them, and they couldn't be really putting it up to someone else. You know. Yeah, we might have a chat with Keith about that in a couple of minutes, and we do sit down and have a chat with him. Crumlin United won St. Moctis to an old Dublin derby here. Um, Moctis were delighted to be into the next round, but I think that's really all it's about. At this stage is just that survival. Make sure your name is in the next hat, right? Yeah, and they got they got two 0 up, and probably thought they were kind of home and house, but. Um, a goal from Crumlin obviously brought the game back and it was on a knife edge then a little bit but um, they'd be happy enough to be in the next round and you know to get one over on a, an arrival uh, let's see in the league side as well and get into the half of the next round that's that's what it's about especially this this first round is getting into the next the next round and, and seeing where it takes you yeah and finally I suppose before uh, we go and have a chat with Keith we're going to just have a quick talk about at Lone Town versus Waterford we're going to be talking to quarter. We're going to be talking to Gordon Brett about it very shortly, but um, that goal, that's all I can say. I actually paid for the last seven or eight minutes of the stream. I don't know why. I just said, I need to watch this. Uh, and it's about seven minutes extra time left. And I thought Waterford had robbed me of the penalties that I paid for. And then yeah. and then that just happened. I nearly fell out of my seat. Uh, did you get a chance to see that at all? Uh, just just highlights. Didn't get to see the, the, the full game, like, you know. But um, I think... Even because of the goal and and what it meant and the clip is doing the rounds and all the rest of it, people don't realise how good the game was either. I think it's gone under the radar like that. This unbelievable game unfolded like to even get to that point and and, and there's a little bit of context missing from seeing the clip as well that they'd conceded a goal in the 123rd minute, I think it was, and this was tip off in the 124th minute of the game. Like this wasn't just kind of the 70th minute and it was a goal and and you know Glenn hits one and equalises. It's literally the last kick of the game in the last portion of extra time. And after 120 minutes of action, it was just, it was incredible. You can't write it. Like, Well, we're going to find out about all the atmosphere at that game and all the events with Gordon Brett in 15 minutes or so. But first, uh, let's have a chat with Keith Foy, who joins us now. Keith, you are very, very welcome to the programme. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Thanks for having me. No problem. Listen, we watched the game uh, with great intent over the weekend play out. Uh, You must be really, really happy with the way your side performed, the fact that you're in the second round of the Cup. That's really what it's all about, though. Yeah, exactly. Look, there was always when we headed out to St Kevin's, we were obviously the favourites, but it was always going to be a tough game out there. And I knew if we uh, if we weren't at it on the night, 
Um, we could have potentially went out of the cup, but to be fair to the lads, they they put a good shift in and the the quality came through in the end. Then um, and we took our chances in the second half and the last twenty minutes was um, was a comfortable game to say for the last twenty minutes. But the lads have done the hard work previous to that, you know. How you doing, Keith? Jane, how are you, pal? Harry? Yeah, a lot of a lot of League of Ireland fans maybe that listen here like won't know a lot about the the kind of junior clubs and the intermediate clubs like, but they'll know a few a few of your lads and particularly kind of Connor, Gary, Dean. Like, what does it mean for your squad and your lads having that kind of League of Ireland experience, specifically in the FAI Cup games? Like, yeah, now listen, obviously there's a lot of experience there, and the lads have uh, have racked up a number of appearances in the League of Ireland between them. I think Connor Kennett alone has over four hundred and fifty games. Um, I know. Dean has over 200 games. Gary has over 200 games. So they've a lot of experience. Um, and it helps the lads in them games, even in our league campaign and everything else. Um, and having the calibre of players that we have there, like we have the three boys there, obviously we've another three or four lads that played League of Ireland, one or two yeah. that have been across in England. Um, for the whole area, for children, for kids to come and look at the games. They're looking at maybe lads that were the heroes a couple of years ago, you know, playing for Shamrock Rovers and playing for St. Pat's and everything else. So for the area, for the club as a whole, it's excellent. Um, I just got really lucky over the last couple of years that a lot of these lads are from the area and they're maybe coming to the end of their time in the League of Ireland. And yeah. I managed I managed to convince them to hang on for another year or two and yeah. have a kick around with the with the local team, which is, has done nothing but wonders for the whole area, as I said, the, and the club as a whole, and it brought us to a, a level we've we've never thought we'd achieve. You know, like three seasons ago, we were playing uh, four leagues off the top league, and now to be in the top league and competing in the second round of the FEI Cup, I think it's something that we all never would have expected. You know, and all them lads have obviously helped to bring us to where we are today. You know, I think to be fair, Keith, on that, like every group of three lads has like hundreds of appearances in the League of Ireland. So the three of us between us must have six hundred or so anyway. You know, um, <laughs> in terms of in terms of I suppose your own experience in the game, and you talk about being lucky for the last three years, but I think a lot of that is probably you just uh, passing maybe some of that success on to others as well, because the catalyst for that um, seems to have been your appointment three years ago. Struggling start of the season a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe lost the first four or five, six games of the season, yeah. looking in trouble just to survive in that. Uh, it's called junior, or it's called a uh, senior one B, and then of course one A one, and then the, the senior division on top of that. So you're the fourth yeah. tier, battling for survival. But to even come out of that with just staying up, never mind the actual promotion that you got, and it's been three successive promotions in what is a, a very competitive league. The Leinster Senior League is probably the most competitive competition outside of the the national league itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it was three or four years ago, I, I actually uh, I was up at Bluebell at the time, and I I said I was I was taking a, a year out of football. I kind of hadn't had a rest for since I was a kid, really, you know. Um, and obviously, Kilimanjaro was my local club, and they were in a little bit of trouble at the time. And the aim was to come in and try and stabilise them and just make sure they held on to intermediate such. But as the results kept on, we kept climbing away from the the other end of the table and all of a sudden we were up near the top with about 10 games to go it was and I think we needed to win nine of them and we ended up winning nine and lost one the last day so that got the first promotion obviously then we signed one or two and that was a catalyst then for every transfer window it was easier to attract players because you're getting the promotions that's seen the caliber of players coming in you're 
as you said, the McTaves, the Avenues, the Colmans, uh, they all were the first group to come in. Then obviously that attracted a few more press. But, but we had quality in the squad as well. Like, there's a lot of lads that played Kilimanjaro nearly all their life, and there was quality there. They just maybe weren't directed in the right ways. And obviously then playing with the lads that they're playing with now, it's after bringing them on further as well, you know? Keith, you, t- or you touched on the kind of what it means to the community and playing in the FAI Cup for the senior team and that, but um, what, what does it mean for like the junior club and all? Because I know speaking to Connor over a couple of years, like you've done a lot of great work there as a club. It's not just the senior team progressing in the Leinster Senior League or the FAI Cup, but it's it's the whole community and the underage setup. So what does the whole lot mean to the kind of community area there in terms of football in that area? Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, Connor came in about two years ago um, as youth development officer and he's after taking the club to a new level from a youth point of view and um, i think we've told you three teams now um in the whole club with seniors skilled boys skilled girls and this little run we're on now the feo cup it's it's uh, it's certainly opening people's eyes i think to the club as a whole it's a lot easier to attract the parents to bring their children up to the club when they see what's going on around the club when they see how we are progressing both on and off the pitch a lot of hard work was in behind the scenes from all the all the committee lads. There's a, a lot of volunteers that make their lives a lot easier. Um, and it's certainly helping um, the whole club and everything as a community, you know? Yeah, I suppose it's fantastic to see it. I've done a bit of research in the club as well in terms of uh, the, the whole effort that's put in there because it's very easy sometimes for these levels of clubs to just focus primarily on that first team and and to see the kind of the, the youngsters and the photographs and the website and stuff like that actually of people coming through the club, it's fantastic to see it. In terms of yourself, of course, um, a noted underage international with Ireland, of course, you were Nottingham Forest at the time, but you're one of Kerr's kids, you won a European Championship uh, with Ireland, even managed to uh, to be heavily involved in the final. Um, yeah. You have a sweet left foot. Tell us about that experience, because I'm sure your, your own players have come through with you as a role model as well, not just the Gary McCabe's of this one. Yeah, listen, that was a time that uh, will stick with me for the rest of my life, you know. Um, even when I'm in the in the pubs, everyone always seems to come up me and talk about that time back in 98, 23 years ago now. Um, but that that's something that will live me. And even as a group of people that we had in that squad, to this day, we're all in a WhatsApp group. And even today, they put something up in the WhatsApp group and it was just a little clip of us uh, arriving in the airport. Um, and you actually... Forget that moment, you know. We arrived back in the airport, and there was thousands of people in the airport. Uh, weapon was home, we had an open top bus and everything else, you know. Um, so that's a it was certainly a special occasion, not just for us and for personal view, but for Irish football. Um, we obviously won um, in '98, and then six weeks later, the under 18s won it, you know. Um, it was a fun time to be involved in Irish football, you know. Might be hard to pick out a favourite player from that group, Keep, but who 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 do you reckon was the best at the time, even like in out of those lads? Um, it's a tough one, you know, because obviously you have a lot of talented lads in that squad, and I'd probably say the most natural talented in it was probably Andy Rage, you know. Andy had yeah. a lot, a lot of talent. Um, he had a hell of a left foot on him. Um, but obviously you look at and he, he went on to have a fantastic career himself. Um, got a lot of caps internationally and all, but you obviously look at John O'Shea and what he went on to do, yeah. winning league, Premier League titles, winning European Cup. So um, he was always the the model professional, shall we say. He always looked after himself. And if you're ever stepping out of line, even at that young age, he, he made sure he let you know, you know. 
Um, he was a fantastic lad to have around the team and have around the squad. And it showed, it wasn't a fluke what he went on to achieve, you know. Yeah. I think yeah. Alex Craig, someone even said about him, he was one of his most important players, you know. I think that says a lot for someone um, when someone like that says about you, considering the yeah. players Alex Ferguson's had at his disposal, you know. Now, I know we asked you to talk about uh, killing a man tonight and, and what's going on there, but I, I do have a little bit of a confession as well. I was involved with Dublin City back in the day, and I know you spent a little while there. Um, yeah. I think it was your first club back in the League of Ireland after Nottingham Forest or after you came back from England. And um, sweet left foot, there's some really, really good nights. Do you remember any of that? Do you kind of look back on that fondly? Because you were probably one of the better players in that squad. You scored some great goals from the penalty spot, from free kicks as well. I think it was one against Bowes in particular that sticks in the mind, a 2-1 win in Dalywood that I'm pretty sure you were on the score sheet for that night. Um, any any thoughts, any any memories for for, for, for me, please? <laughs> no, I do. I do I have a lot of memories of uh, playing with Dublin City. Um, unfortunately, I think the, the memory that sticks to me was then I... When I got sacked by Roddy Collins, you know, he kind of uh, he kind of hung me out to dry one of the uh, one of the games. He asked me to play for the under twenty ones on a Sunday it was, and uh, well, he organised a little night out on the Saturday. But we, so we all went on the night out, and I went and played for the under twenty ones on the Sunday. And um, we called me at training then on the Tuesday and said, um, "Yeah, sacked without pay for being out twenty four hours before a game." But it was kind of like. Roddy, you told me to go out and you told me to play the next day. So that was uh, probably, it's a, it wouldn't be the greatest moment, but it's probably one that sticks out in my head because that was the end of my Dublin City career, you know? Yeah, Roddy ended a couple of Dublin City careers, to be <laughs> fair. You're, you're in plenty of good company on that one. Yeah. Uh, you, replaced, you were replaced by Karen Palmer then at that point, was it? I, I was going to say, he was trying to get an F in the call from Karen Palmer at the time, so... He had to get me off the wave there, but I don't think my wage was anywhere near as much as what the lads got coming over, you know? <laughs> well, listen, Keith, uh, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, congratulations no on a fantastic win at the weekend. 4-1, of course. We didn't actually mention that. It was a 4-1 victory for yourselves uh, yeah. in that particular game against St. Kevin's boys. Um, I suppose you'll be waiting with bated breath to see who you get in the next round of the Cup. What are you doing tomorrow evening? Have you, you're going to go for a walk and see who you get or will you be watching, <laughs> listening to a live uh, no, I'll be listening to it. We, we, we actually have training tomorrow at 7 o'clock, so the draw's on at half six. So I think if uh, a few of the lads are going to arrive uh, a little bit early and we're going to all listen to it on the training ground, listen, hopefully we can get uh, a big local draw. That's what we're all hoping for, I think, you know. Uh, but whatever happens, we'll take, you know. Excellent. Well, listen, the best of luck, and I'm sure we'll be chatting to you at some stage later in the season. Maybe even a, a cup semi-final or final appearance. You could pull well, up uh, who, knows? who knows? Who knows? Us and Longford in the final. That would like that, I think. I think that would like that. Yeah, I think Dean will be happy enough with that too as well. 100%. 100%. 100%. Listen, thanks a minute. We'll talk to you again shortly. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, of course, we talked earlier in the programme about being joined by the voice of that clip that was touching on a million. I'm sure by the time you're listening to this and watching this podcast, it will be at a million views on Twitter over the weekend. Gordon Brett, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me, uh, Brefney. Great to be here. No problem. I, um, I watched it live the other night. I, I was said earlier in the show how I literally, I was sitting, we, we cover all the games on, on every weekend, but uh, I was sitting and we had all the games covered. It was the only game in extra time at that time. And I said, you know what, I haven't been watching it, but I'll pay the fiver and I'll, I'll go and watch the last 10 minutes. I might get penalties. And I thought Waterford had ruined my, my plans to, to watch penalties. And then... I suppose talk us through what happened because you were in the ground. You were the one we were listening to. Uh, what were your thoughts 
I suppose probably your thoughts in the build up to that last five minutes before Waterford scored and kind of how things were building up for you. For, yeah. Well, I, I suppose firstly, um, I'm a coach in the club, and I'm, you know, as you know, I'm head coach to fourteen former so. player as well. To be yeah. fair, like I probably oh, sure. introduction. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah, that's ancient <laughs> stuff. But to be fair, um, yeah, I do. I, I help Cavs you a little bit every now and again with coach, and I do all the video analysis of opposition and stuff. And so it's great when I go into a game like that. Uh, that I have a good idea. I'd have an idea of what water set pieces are going to be like because of you know you've clipped them and you've looked at them and you know you've used white scout and stuff. And uh, I suppose at number two down, water were a good side. They're they're a side that I think that they're odds on to catch Finn Harps at this stage. You know and stay up um, in their own right, but uh, they're doing really well. And uh, but at number two down, then sending off a of Wordsworth just totally changed the game. At long came back into it. I mean obviously Glenn McCauley with two penalties. Uh, you know, put them right in it, and then they're three two up, and you're thinking, great, this is, uh, you know, Athlone are going through again because we beat Premier Division opposition in Shelburne last season in the quarter final, um, and next thing, you know, late late drama in you know sort of pretty much extra time or injury time of the ninety minutes, and it's three three. Suddenly, Watford are back in it. Uh, Athlone then, you know, kind of on the ball really in extra time. Watford, you know, came at them a couple of times on the break. Through on the last two subs they had. There's a lot of drama, as you know, on the sideline. Uh, you know, <laughs> Watford manager sent off, Belly is sent off, Cabsy is sent off. I think the fitness guy from Watford was sent off. It was crazy. The, you know, the, the, the attendance in the stand really doubled in the space of five minutes. And next thing, um, you know, Watford get a goal in pretty much injury time of extra time. And you're thinking, that's it. You're kind of devastated. And, uh, you know, I just all I noticed then was. You know, about eight, it must have been about eight. You see it on the video, about eight lone players lined up on the left hand side. And I think in the commentary line, you're just trying to keep with it and you're trying to stay kind of stable and such. And you're thinking, yeah, they're going to just guide this one up, get bodies under it, and see what happens because the, the game is up. And suddenly, Glenn McCauley just does that. And I suppose, look at where amateur um, kind of commentators as such is something they've done a bit of, but you know, um, we're just lucky that we caught it. Uh, uh, because there was kind of mayhem at the time and there was really just, you know, it was chaos in the ground and Watford obviously had been celebrating and we pretty much said, yeah, that's the winner. And then Glenn McCauley just does that and it's it's just unbelievable what he's done. Um, it's hard to commentate on actually because we ran out of words. Tommy Hood was with me, you know, and, and Tommy has done the last couple of games. As you know, Tommy is the head coach of the women's senior team. He's an exit loan player himself and uh, Tommy kind of lost it a little bit as well. <laughs> so, you know, he's the one who came out with take a bow, son. So uh, he's got a bit of slagging over that. But yeah, all in all, uh, I, I thought then with, with that moment, um, you know, maybe Atlone would go back into the penalty shootout, kind of maybe just a little bit more pep in their step and it just didn't work out. And, you know, in fairness to Paul, um, uh, the keeper Martin, like he, he, uh, he, 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 you know, he redeemed himself as such because he took a little bit of criticism. Um, and the goal cam, you've probably seen the goal cam from behind the goal. And I think what happens to him is actually he sees that at lone kind of group of players. It'll be on his right hand side is from behind the goal, making that charge. He takes a couple of yards, not that far, just to the right and forward. And then McCauley obviously hits that. And I don't think anybody and any keeper in the world would have envisaged that shot. Uh, so it's, it's a real one off. But uh, credit to Glenn McCauley. Um, he was fabulous on the night. Just forgetting about that goal, his overall performance was, was unbelievable. The amount of like he's coming from a full time setup in shells, and uh, he worked really hard all night, took his penalties really well, and there was a chance then I was saying that he could end up the villain because if he'd missed his penalty in the shootout, which he didn't, uh, he kept his head. He went to a he went to the bottom left uh, for his third penalty, uh, but uh, you know credit to the Watford keeper, he he redeemed himself and the team in the end. 
the atmosphere in the ground, Gordon, seemed to be electric at the time. And I think we were lucky enough, I suppose, that some fans were in and there wasn't a completely empty ground for that type of game. But uh, do you think a goal like that going viral and that kind of clip can be a catalyst for Athlone? Like, I know it's been a couple of years kind of in the doldrums a little bit, but do you think something like that can ignite kind of a passion in the town again and get kind of people back and uh, and really raise the kind of profile of the club again and, and get more bodies in the sands? Yeah, I think so. And I think as, as, as COVID eases off, the, the one tragedy for the club this year is that when the team were doing, started the season really, really, really well, Dean, you know, they... Yeah nobody was allowed in the grounds <clears throat> and it was just a pity at that stage that we you know people weren't able to come in because you know you'd be getting close to thousand people and, and that that would help fund the club uh, you know and run it and and keep the squad kind of strong but um no i think the, the goal itself i think there's a great buzz around about it obviously it's it's gone yeah. viral like a friend in in thailand and he sent me a message this morning saying he's after seeing it and you know, it's kind of weird. He, he's out there for a couple of weeks and saying, Jesus, he's hearing our voices on two lads that he knows from Atlone in Thailand. And so it's gone viral. It's 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 no harm the positive PR around it for the club. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it was, I, I remember my overriding feeling leaving the ground actually was that we're out of the cup. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of like, you know, uh, last year we got the semi final. Obviously, that didn't work out like, but against a very good than dark side. But uh, yeah, I just felt, you know, it's a pity we're out. They put up a great show. Uh, okay, the sending off changed the game, but Athlone took their opportunities then after that. It was just a pity the way it ended. Um, but ultimately, it's about trying to get into playoff spots because I've been saying it for a long time, shells are out of sight. Uh, and I'm an ex-Galway player and I'd love to see Athlone and Galway in the Premier Division. But uh, I have great friends in Galway, but I, I don't think Galway on a great run. I think they've left it too late to catch shells. I think shells were magnificent down in, in Athlone. We commented on that game the week before, myself and Tommy. Shells were magnificent. They're in really good shape. You know the rotations; they're just they're just a fabulous side, well drilled, really professional. Um, so for Athlone, it's really well. Can we get in the playoffs? And I think that goal has given them a little bit of a lift. It's just a pity that the the cup yeah. run that didn't get going really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But talk to us about LOI TV in its entirety because it's been a new venture for a lot of the clubs in the league itself, really, over the last couple of months, uh, especially since the kind of the clubs have really been given the the opportunity to to put their own production into that. Uh, there's a big team I know behind the scenes in Athlone. Tell us a bit about maybe uh, what it's been like to be part of that and, and maybe where you might be likely to take that in the coming weeks, months, seasons ahead. Yeah, um, look, it's all credit to a guy called Anthony Quinn, uh, Quinn AV. The end of last season, um, you know, when we looked at the idea of streaming a couple of games, you know, I think we did our, our last two, I think we did Bray Wanderers. Uh, and I think a UCD game, and I think Bray Wanderers is what we did. And we did a women's game, Breffney, I think you're aware of that. I think we did Bows as well, and uh, the women women versus Bows, the women's senior team. And that was just ourselves on YouTube. But Anthony came in, he contacted us out of the blue. Uh, his, his, uh, Quinn AV is his business, that's what he works at. He just said to us, listen, there's no business out there because there was nothing happening uh, with COVID and restrictions all over the country. So um, he said he'd come in and he sponsored it. He brings in all his production. Uh, you know, he's he's so much equipment there. And uh, so we just, I, I say it every week, we just come in and commentate. We say what we see. We do a bit of research on the opposition. Obviously, I know the Atlone set up intimately, uh, but Anthony has been fabulous. He's brought in, you know, the sideline cam, uh, the replays, some very good graphics. And a couple of weeks ago, he put, uh, he put those cameras behind the goals as well. So for us as commentators, albeit kind of amateur ones, we have a very professional setup wrapped around us. And even for incidents like there was a, no joke, and Athlone uh, could have had another two penalties, potentially another two penalties during uh, during the game. 
but it's great for us to kind of uh, see those on replay uh, and catch a lot of that stuff. I mean, he's there. He, he captures the replays for us and he get them up for us. And it's great for the viewers as well, but I suppose they're seeing what we see then as well. Um, but the production is, is the key thing behind it. And I suppose the LOI TV thing has been brilliant for fans to see the games during the kind of restrictions. And I don't know where it goes after this, because if, if fans go back into the grounds, brilliant. But I suppose it's a service that we'd all love to see still there after um, you know the, the grounds open up again. Um, I've enjoyed it anyway. I know Tommy Hewitt has done the last two games with me. Tom Silk, another, uh, he's an excellent for player, Dean, actually. I don't talk to Tommy about that kind of stuff. But uh, he, he's ex-Galway as well. And uh, So Tom has done a lot of the games with me as well. And we've enjoyed it. It's good fun. And it's made us uh, think a little bit more about the game and preparation when we go into watch it. Um, but hopefully it's something that stays there. I think the league could benefit from it. And the fact that all the women's games are free as well, I think that's something that's been a massive boost because some of the women's games have been even more exciting at, at London Piedmont on Saturday evening. And uh, really, um, again, I couldn't make that game, but it was, it was it, by all accounts, it was a fabulous game. There was another goal line incident and, you know, there's a lot of talk whether the ball is over the line and stuff. And But it, it really, you know, Piedmont are a top, top side. Uh, to beat at long 2-1, I think Anya Gorman, you know, got a, got a goal there to win it. But uh, there's so much good stuff happening in that women's league as well. It's it's fabulous that those games are going out live. Yeah, and we bring you uh, back onto the pitch there, Gordon, with the with the first team in Athlone. Uh, you mentioned it had a great start, then a little bit of a dip. So, what does success look like for the team? Is it, it has to be a playoff spot, or you know, a realistic attempt at, at going up through the playoffs? Like, what do you see as being a successful outcome to the year? Yeah, I think at this stage, I think a minimum target has to get it has to be just get into the playoffs first, see yeah. where it takes us. Like as you know, as a first team, we can kind of bottom two for a long number of years, and uh, but a lot of that, the club will tell you, the people behind the scenes, that some of that was a little bit self inflicted as such because they wanted to get some underage structures in place, work on the facilities around the stadium. There's been a lot of work added on, and the artificial pitch has been a huge boost to the underage academies. Uh, you know, we all train in, I'm, I'm head coach of the 14s, we all train in the stadium, we play in the stadium mostly. Um, so they forsook kind of uh, first-team success to kind of get the structures a little bit in place. They're still working on that. There's a lot of good things happening. There was a new gym put into the stadium, uh, kind of the end tail end of last season. Uh, so, But they did put more money into the first-team this year. And I have to credit Adrian Carberry, you know, I played with Adrian uh, right through from underage, with, you know, with the Atlanta first team. I played him in junior football as we went over the hill as it was. And uh, to be fair to him, he's bought a real buzz about it. He got a very good squad together this year. Uh, they're working very hard and he's a very positive guy. Um, so I think minimum target will be playoff. And hopefully, you don't know in the playoffs what, you know, where you can, where you can end up. It's, it's a couple of games. And whether you end up playing Watford, Finn Harps, Longford, in a playoff, you know, maybe at and Longford might be a nice relegation promotion playoff team. Yeah. Big, big one. Uh, I think both grounds will be full, but if that's in October, November, the both grounds will be very full. But, uh, you know, it's not the minimum target, I suppose, at this stage. And, um, you know, just they're up against some well-financed teams in Shells and Galway who are full-time setups, to be fair. And yeah. Adrian has brought the part-time setup to as close as a full-time level as you can. Um, and he's done really, really well. And all credit to him because he's a good guy, you know, and he deserves, deserves all, every bit of luck he can get, you know. 
Yeah, in terms of so one other thing that's was about, that's caught my attention while we've been chatting here is um, incidents that happen in games. You mentioned the the goal that did it cross the line or not uh, with Piemont at the weekend, but also I suppose the, the turning point of the game on uh, in the the FAI clash, uh, the cup clash with um, Waterford was the sending off, and I, I saw replays of that again. And to be able to have that so clearly out, your own thoughts on that? Did the ball cross the line? Was it a free? Or was it a throw-in? Should it have been a, a yellow card? Was the ref a bit harsh on them? Like, or was it fairly deserved? Like, you, could, you couldn't tell from the camera angle whether the ball had actually gone to a teammate, as people claimed. I don't think um, Wordsworth came out and, and tweeted himself. Like, yeah. what's, what's the situation? What did you think? Well, I think initially um, we looked at it and we felt the referee was going kind of very stringently along the letter of the law and gave the yellow for what he deemed was kicking the ball away. Um, I don't really think he did, to be honest. I think Anthony Wordsworth can feel a little bit hard done by. I'm not one for criticising referees because overall, and we said it every week in, in our commentaries, we've, we've been lucky that the referee in, in the stadium uh, across the board has been very good this season, I have to say. I've been very impressed with it. Um, you know, maybe the other night was maybe a little bit of a change from that. But if I was Anthony Wordsworth, yeah, I, I would be a little bit um, shocked. But I often wonder whether if a guy has a yellow card already for something like a, you know, a, a bad challenge and something that's a little bit minor uh, comes along like that, like kicking a ball away, I think maybe there's there's a case for maybe not pulling out the second yellow. If it's a second bag challenge, maybe yes. Or if it's descent or something, I, I think maybe, you know, it's something that might have to be looked at. I, I'm not sure because... It, it really put, you know, it shook up the game all right, but it really put Waterford under pressure. And it could have been the reason Waterford were knocked out of the cup. Um, now it would have suited us in that loan, but as, a, as you know, the Waterford fans and Mark Bertram and, and Dave Bell and these guys, I mean, uh, obviously they kind of probably, uh, I mean, Mark Bertram, I think when they scored the, scored the goal to kind of equalise a trial, uh, his side of the story of what we gather is that he just threw the bottle down in, in celebration. And it was picked up as being sort of, I don't know, you know, obviously throwing a bottle, but uh, he got sent for that. And I kind of go on, to me, that's, if that's the case, it's a bit ridiculous as well. And again, I don't mean to get in and start slagging the officials, but yeah, if that's what happened to, to Mark Burton, you'd be kind of going, saying, yeah, it's harsh. It is harsh. Yeah, like you want a bit of the emotion in the game, otherwise it's just it's just sterile. And what what what's the point? Um, Gordon, I, I suppose it's we, we've run out of time. But Dean, if you've anything else, if you want to just get a last dig in before um, we let this that lone man leave. No, we'll we leave the the digs on the pitch or, or not on the pitch as you know when sent off. But um, we'll do our battling on the pitch. I should say, I suppose. Just before I let you go, actually, just I know we've crossed paths over the years, Gordon, I suppose, in a different context in your day job with uh, Athlone IT. You're the, the head of the sports department down there. You're head of, head of sport in the college. Fantastic yeah. facilities built up there during your time in the, the college. I'm sure you've yeah. had a huge part in that. What's the, the role of the IT now within the club? Because I know there has been kind of um, maybe times where you've been involved in the club. or not say you, but Athlone IT have been more involved in the club than others we see other clubs uh, coming up with scholarship programs. What's the current state of play between the, the two institutions? You've been back involved. Does that mean that there's a, a bit more of a push to get the, the club involved in the IT and vice versa? Yeah, well, I suppose we, we're, we're, we're working hard on trying to get our heads together on a, a number of ideas. Um, and first and foremost, this year what we worked very well on is um, some interns from our athletic therapy course and sports science courses have come into the club. Um, we had SNC coaches um, working with all of our underage academy teams 
And to be fair to Michael O'Connor, uh, he's, he's had a new development and he's technical director of the club. So he, he insisted that they kind of prioritise the underage teams for the SNC interns and the athletic therapy people. So that was the first point. Uh, I know for the region, we need to look at getting uh, an ETB course in. And that's something that could probably benefit Longford and Longford Town and Athlone Town. Um, it's not, we don't have one in our region, you know. Um, it's something that other clubs have. It gives clubs an opportunity to maybe have a sort of a, a, such a, a full time setup of players doing a little bit of study, maybe give them a pathway into third level into us. Third level football is a very good level at the moment, um, well organised. And uh, I suppose really um, the other stuff then would be the scholarship stuff. And that, that's something that's we kind of we're working on now because as such, we've taken cash directly out of our scholarships and pump the money that we would have given out into supports for our students. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a true scholarship program in terms of academic support, nutrition support, sports psychology, time management, you know, all of the SNC, all of those areas, athletic therapy. Um, so we, we've kind of put a system around it rather than just handing out cash. And that's something that we can tie in hopefully soon with the club. Um, and we're going to see, I think, we probably get more benefits from the women's game this year than the men's. Uh, it looks like we've a lot of, you know, Senior League of Ireland players now young girls that are playing League of Ireland 18, 19, coming into third level. Uh, we'd be hoping to recruit some of those and strengthen up the women's programme first and foremost. And maybe the men's team will come on after that. Excellent. Well, listen, it all sounds very, very positive for both the IT and the club. Uh, soccer seems to be rising in that loan. Glenn McCauley, huge part of that on uh, Friday night as well. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to have you as always. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to yourself and your, your colleagues in that loan through the rest of the season with that playoff push in mind. Brilliant, guys. And listen, thanks and fair play for all the great work you're doing with the podcast. It's, it's excellent. And uh, it's great to see people talking about League of Ireland football at every level. Excellent. Thanks, man. Thank you. See you, guys. Thanks. Gordon Brett there in Athlone. Uh, an interesting take maybe on that uh, viral video over the weekend. Dean, I suppose, how important is it? I suppose you're well aware of the, of the benefits of these viral hits in terms of, I suppose, your own partner, Stephanie, your own fiancé. Uh, Stephanie um, had that experience herself uh, it, maybe six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and, and we see this now because we now have these goals and these incidents live on social media, sometimes within minutes of that yeah. happening. Uh, the the, the, the Im immediateness of that and the, 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 I suppose the quick reaction that people can actually go, oh my God, and it's shared around the world in seconds now. Um, how much how important is it that clubs really embrace that some have really got to it and others still you can't even get a team sheet from their their twitter um a day or two after the game and then there's very few of them but there are still some across the two leagues men's and the women's what's your own thoughts on on how clubs have embraced that i think it should be standard like that to just goals up straight away and like I think we're we're a little bit guilty of not being clever in the league, like to promote ourselves at times. Like you know, there's obviously been a huge amount of talk about what the FAI have done or not, have not done, and same with clubs. But like some of this stuff is simple, like clip a goal, get it on Twitter, get it out there straight away. And like you said, most have done it really well recently, and we've seen a couple of cracking goals over the last couple of seasons go viral instantly. And even if you go back to to Steph's one, like it didn't go up. To, for about 10 days after she scored because it was like obviously recorded and and then it didn't actually go like ultra ultra uh, viral till a year later when it was nominated for for the the goal like so we're doing it better now with these goals like we're getting them out quicker we're getting them out sharper we're getting them around like you said people are commenting commenting on them immediately and that's that's really important because you don't want to see a goal that's scored and then like 
10 days later or two weeks later, like, oh, what team was that or where are they from? You're seeing it straight away. It's at Lone Town, it's Glen McCauley, it's the FAI Cup. And whether you're in England or Europe or anywhere else, you're immediately getting that information, which obviously translates to people saying, well, I might check in on that league more often or I might look at a game or I might, you know, see what they're what they're doing in terms of streaming games and things like that. And it's just a whole kind of connected bubble then of, of information that gets passed around. So I think some of the clubs, like you said, aren't brilliant at it, but they sh- there should be a set standard, like a, a training course or something like where they all know exactly what to do if they if they do happen to catch one of these goals. Yeah, I think for me that was the big disappointment about LOI TV breaking away from Watch LOI where it was done. Okay, people have their issues with RTE, that's fine. I'm not going to get into any of that. But I thought um, having one production company looking after all of the games, I think it, it allowed them to set a standard at that level. I'm a little bit disappointed to see it go out um, to individual clubs. I think at Lone, an example, we have Gordon on, obviously, and are an example of when it's done really well. The, the production quality is excellent. The commentary... Uh, is is very very good. He referred to himself two or three times as a as an amateur at this, but in my in my opinion, he's definitely one of the top two or three commentators in the league, particularly in terms of being relatively neutral, as neutral as a hometown uh, commentator can be. Some of the people yeah. are very poor in that regard, um, but the quality has been excellent. And in terms of a production, I have no problem paying a fiver to watch a clone stream, even for seven or eight minutes, because I know I'm getting value for money. I yeah. felt a little bit let down from some clubs, and I don't want to pick out individual clubs but I felt that sometimes it's just it's there because someone's going to look after that rather than let's put thought into it I think that's the big difference uh, but that being said I'm really happy to see that some of the clubs and the clubs who have embraced it have really had some really big hits on social media this year in terms of uh, our attention now for the next couple of weeks we put the club on uh, the cup on the back burner for a little while of course the draw taking place on Tuesday evening uh, all the clubs involved in that all and um, 18 or 16 Clubs involved in that will be uh, eagerly awaiting to see who they visit next. Anyone you'd particularly like to get or anyone you'd like to avoid in that draw? Um, I think we always kind of look for a home draw, really, like uh, as a preferential draw. Um, you can go either way. You can get the team at the top of the Premier Division or you can get a non-league team. And your your role in that game is completely different depending on, on who you're drawn against. So we don't really look at who we're going to be drawn against or what team or where. But uh, we would relish a home draw, I think, against anyone, you know, and try and get into the to the half then for the for the following round. You mentioned top of the league, Shamrock Rovers there in the draw, non-league, they're also in the draw. Which would you prefer if you were offered the choice, Shamrock Rovers or St Pat's maybe, or uh, the non-league opposition? Which do you prefer preparing for? Um, I suppose in, in terms of the way well, you've asked the question, in terms of preparing, I prefer to prepare for the Rovers team or the St. Pat's team because you know what you're preparing for in many ways and you can kind of get video and analysis and stuff like that. And then obviously you're coming in with an underdog tag as well. So like there's a, a sweeter kind of feeling if you do get a, a victory there, you know. But uh, like you said, it's 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 whoever you get. And like I, I just hope for the home draw because I think that gives us a, a, good, a good chance no matter who it's against. Yeah, of course, we have got through the whole show without really talking about the European games over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been manic, but we do have three teams still in Europe. Shamrock Rovers, of course, have dropped into the Europa Conference. They've got a buy in this round. They're into the third round of the competition. Sligo Rovers have, have dropped out of that, beaten by an Icelandic opposition, FH. Whereas Pat, uh, not Pat's Bowes and Dundalk have both progressed and are in pretty good positions going into the second round ties this week. In, Happy enough with how the Irish teams are doing in Europe? Yeah, reasonably happy. Um, I think Liam probably be a bit disappointed 
that Sligo couldn't couldn't do a little bit more. But um, I think we probably felt Shamrock Rovers would have have uh, too much to do to continue in the in the Champions League, but to get another crack at it there now with the Europa. Bowes have been excellent. That's a brilliant story. Uh, games in the Aviva, fans going into the game. Uh, obviously, the first one and now a little bit more in the in the second ones. Um, really good young players stepping up in those games as well for Bowes. So that's been a brilliant story. Um, so hopefully they can keep it going. And you know, we we desperately need that coefficient, don't we? That that weird word that everybody kind of hears, but we just need to rise and and give ourselves a chance year on year in, year out to to kind of make waves and, and get a couple of teams even into the group stages of this this new competition or or maybe into into you know one of the higher competitions somewhere along the line like but for it to be a more consistent thing rather than a, an outlier like yeah I think sometimes fans of clubs don't realize how important that coefficient is it's basically points for every result you get draws wins you get points across all of the teams and they take an average and so the further up you rise the later you enter these competitions, the better your seeding, the better your draw, and and also the better chance you have of, of going in. So a team like um, Bowes winning three of their games so far, or two of the games so far, um, it adds coefficient points. It's very important to keep those um, results, positive results, taken over. And, uh, and we've seen it over the years where Dundalk have managed to get better seedings, Shamrock Rovers have got better seedings because of previous results. It all kind of rolls in for the country as well as the club. Vitally, vitally important that we keep that continuing to rise. And if anything to go, I think the Europa Conference has already shown that there's great opportunities for teams to get results in European competitions over the, the next couple of years while that competition is in vogue. Now, let's turn our dom- domestic attention back to uh, the League of Ireland. Starting the Premier Division, of course, you're out this week. You are Saturday evening hosting Derry City. It's the return to... Uh, to I suppose the, the first day of the season and winning ways against Derry, we caught them cold. They're back now with a different management team. Um, thoughts of the game going into the weekend? Yeah, I think like we're in a little bit of form, I would say. Like we've got a couple of decent draws, got a win in the cup. So it's probably our, our best overall patch of form. And that probably sounds a bit desperate because it hasn't been it hasn't been sensational, but like we're we're really, really competitive in a lot of the games, nearly all the games, like you know, so we're just trying to find that magic switch to turn a handful of these draws into a couple of wins, like and, and really give us a shot in the arm for the kind of last round of games coming up or the you know, the last round and a bit. So um, you know, obviously looking forward to this one coming off a little bit of confidence with the win and a couple of other positive results behind it so we're hoping we can do damage it doesn't it doesn't matter who it's against at this stage and you, you can't rule anybody out and just say oh we won't win that or we will win that or anything we just have to go and attack whoever's in front of us and it just so happens to be Derry this weekend when you won that first game I suppose all these games going now um did you imagine you wouldn't get another one for the next 20 at least no obviously not like you know where where we've believe in ourselves as a team and I think I mean, we've got eight draws, I think it is, but probably I would say maybe six of them we should have won the game, like you know that way, and and a couple of a couple of defeats very very late on could have been draws. So like, we're only a handful of kicks of a ball away from being probably ten points better off, and that might just seem like a, an arbitrary kind of number that I've plucked out. But if people see in our games, like we're we're very very close in the game, so. Yeah, we didn't think it would be this long, but we still think we can give ourselves a chance. And like you said, the sooner the better. So we have to try and get it on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I agree with you. I've watched a good few of your games this year, and I think you've been very unlucky. Some of the one-nil defeats or single goal defeats have been should have been draws and draws defeats. And I think ten points is probably 
about right in terms of, of where you probably should be better at the table. But sometimes you get that run of the green and sometimes you don't. And unfortunately uh, for you so far this season, it hasn't gone your way. But then things can change. Look at Waterford's form over the last couple of weeks. And speaking of Waterford, let's maybe have a look at their game. They're in Drogheda on Friday night. That's going to be a tough task for them, although they seem to be one of the form teams in the league at the moment. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, a little bit of fallout from the cup. Uh, lads are suspended, like you know, from Drada. And like you said, Waterford. Oh, Waterford have a couple of suspensions, oh, too, to be fair. And Waterford, yeah. Yeah, there, there might be nobody out there, you know, no players, no managers, no coaching staffs. But uh, yeah, Waterford in, in a good bit of form. And, and you know, obviously, Drada have had a good season so far. And an interesting game, certainly one that we'll probably have a, a close eye on as well, just to see which way it goes. But, um, yeah, you know, it could it could really go either way, and I suppose from our point of view, we're hoping we're hoping Dry to come out on top. Yeah, of course, just to drag those teams around you back into that mix. Shamrock Rovers, of course, they're also in action against St. Patrick's Athletic. We're back to that first round and uh, repeat of the first round of games from the season. And um, top two sides in the league at the moment. And basically looking at the, the blip that Sligo have had in recent weeks in terms of the European form and the, the cup draw, uh, probably the two biggest title challengers realistically at this stage. It looks that way. Um, I don't think Sligo are totally out of it, but you know this will be a big bear, and, and probably who goes on to win the title, like it, it won't decide it, but it could uh, push one or the other kind of into the driver's seat. Um, but at the start of the season, it was a very close game. It was a very good game, the first game of the season, and and I think people didn't think that Pats would still be around by the time this fixture came back around. So all credit to them, and uh, definitely a game to watch this weekend because uh, they're the two best teams, and they're up there for a reason. Like. Yeah, of course, Sharp Rovers with that game in hand. So effectively, a Rovers win on Friday night would mean three-point lead and a game in hand, uh, which is against Sligo Rovers, if I'm not mistaken. So um, realistically, a big enough gap at this stage of the season that Pats won't want to grow anymore. So they'll be looking to kind of upset the apple cart in Tala. Um, interesting game. Probably my pick of the games on Friday night, at least. The final game to talk about, Finn Harps and Bohemians on Friday night. Uh, Harps really struggling of late. We had Ollie on the show maybe five, six weeks ago now. Um, things were looking pretty rosy at that point. Uh, they've kind of turned and, and they're really struggling. Waterford only a point behind them at this stage. Um, can Harps do enough to, to stay out of the relegation spots? You're yeah. hoping that they, they don't, to be honest. But um, but realistically, they're they're in trouble. They need a, a result. Will they get out on Friday? Yeah, well, like obviously, you, you look at Bowes and just wonder... Is their, is their head turned a little bit from European games and specifically the occasions being in the Aviv and that as well. Like it's not just a kind of run of the mill European game midweek. It's a it's a big occasion to look forward to. Again, like we mentioned, more fans uh, coming into the stadium then again. So you just might get that kind of situation where, you know, there's a there's an eye on there's an eye on the other game or or a recovery from that game kind of thing. Like, you know, and uh, if they progress then an eye on you know the the following the following game to come and and just a tiredness and a fatigue in general. But um, there's every opportunity that Harps the Harps could pinch one there and they, and they do desperately need it. But again, like Bowers are in good form overall and winning is winning. So you know that usually kind of eradicates any kind of feelings of tiredness or fatigue. So and and again, a young squad with good players. So they, they they'll I I don't think Keith would be happy if they went up and and didn't put in a performance regardless of what they do in Europe. Yeah, and then the final game of the weekend, Sligo Rovers at home to Dundalk. Uh, they've had a good record against Dundalk in recent years, particularly when their backs are to the wall. And I suppose uh, there's people calling for Liam Buckley's head at the moment. I think that's absolutely crazy talk. Um, but there's 
there's a bit of a pressure beginning to build in Sligo. They've set the bar probably higher than they expected themselves for the first half of the season. And now they've hit a little bit of poor form. And it's really starting to, to notice that the cracks are beginning to notice in the support online, at least. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on where they are? Will they get a result against Dundalk at the weekend? Because Vinnie Perth seems to have come in and really settled the rot at Dundalk as much as it can be done uh, in terms of what's happening on the pitch. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one for both because... Sligo really desperately need a good result because it lasts kind of 10 days or two weeks, you know, how they've gone. And based on form this season and how they've played and even the little bit of form against Dundalk in the past, you'd, ex- you'd maybe expect a good result. But uh, like you mentioned, Finney's come in, steadied the ship a little bit, and Dundalk might look at it as a game and say, now our season starts if we win this one. Like, you know, this could be the where they send the message, you know, that they're, they're a bit more organised, they know what they're about, they want to kick on and, and kind of push into the into the higher spaces for the for the end of the season and this could be the perfect game for that to lay down that little bit of a marker and you might catch Sligo at a, a bad time for them and it could be a, a perfect game for Dundalk but that's the interesting thing about the uh, these games like Sligo can give themselves a boost in the arm and really attack the rest of the season or Dundalk can can really lay down a marker and say hang on we haven't gone anywhere yet and put in a, a another shift for for the rest of the season, like you know. So there's an interesting, uh, you know, interesting way of looking at that game. Like, yeah, no, I think um, I haven't really had Sligo, if I'm being honest, on my top three list all season. I just think they've overperformed in certain areas. They've rolled their luck a little bit in certain areas. Um, I don't see them as title contenders. If they beat Dundalk at the weekend, then I think uh, a top three spot is within their grasp. I think they're the kind of games they need to be winning. They've had um, some fantastic performances, as I mentioned. They've had some good wins over the dock in recent seasons, mostly due to Pat Hoban being unable to beat Ed McGinty from the, the spot, effectively. I think he saved four or five, maybe even six penalties in the last two or three years. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. If there's a penalty awarded, Ed McGinty obviously out injured at the moment for Sligo, yeah. but look like Nicholas has equally as good a goalkeeper, and they're really blessed with, with really good young local talent in Sligo at the moment. But the one I think that's going to be key to the game um, is actually uh, going to be John Mahan, because John Mahan hasn't featured in the last three or four weeks, and I don't think it's an accent that his demise has, or his, not demise, but his absence from the team has um has coincided with a poor run of form. I think he's probably the key that holds that whole team together defensively. Um yeah. Greg Bolger gets the column inches, but I think actually uh, John Mahan is probably that that key that really that rock that that whole team is built on and uh, they've really missed him the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely um I think you, you said it you know he's really important to the to the spine of that team and you know Greg probably gets a little bit of the you know the limelight and the praise just maybe because of his career and he's been around a little bit people know who he is and the job that he does uh, and and he does a good job but um yeah John's a little bit more unheralded but but probably more kind of vital to what Sligo are trying to do and I think we've talked a little bit before about the squad depth is not huge at Sligo so when you see an injury or a, or an absentee for a couple of weeks that might have been where you'd see kind of a drop off and it's coincided with this one here at the moment. So I'm sure Liam's desperate to get him back and, and plug him back into the to the back four there. Yeah, he was named in the starting team at the weekend, but then didn't show. I think it was an, an issue in the warm-up. But we'll see uh, with Beta Breath to see how that will pan out. Quickly, we get through the first division because we are running out of time here on the show. Uh, Shells, they lost their first game of the season at UCD last weekend in the FAI Cup. We've talked about that. They host Cove Ramblers this week themselves, uh, late winners in the, the Cup. Um, Shells, Cove, thoughts? 
I'd expect Shells to bounce back. Um, difficult for Cove to come another another game traveling up like after last week, you know, back to back long trips. So I expect Shells to bounce back. Um, interesting to see does it have any kind of knock on effect losing out in the cup, but I don't expect and kind of would expect Shells to prevail there. At Lone Town, we've heard from Gordon earlier in the show, they host Treaty United. There's a couple of players with Treaty who were with Athlone last year. Will they be coming in with a point to prove? I know they've already played once this season, but will they be coming in to kind of show maybe Cabsy, uh, here's why you should have kept me? Yeah, I think so. Like uh, that, that always, you know, every athlete in the world has that, and you, you see that harnessing the chip on the shoulder, as they say, like mentality. But um, even aside from that, I just expect Tommy's teams to be ultra competitive now from what we've seen all season. So um that would actually be a good battle, you know, that's a good game. And like we mentioned earlier in the in the in the program, first division generally brings inconsistency. You can't really pin who's gonna win, who's gonna lose, what the form is going into the game. But um for Treaty to solidify that playoff spot, they'll they'll look for something and, and if that loan are really serious about getting in there. They're going to have to start picking up uh, some good results, uh, particularly at home. So they'll look at it as an opportunity to get three points on the board. Yeah, Wexford fresh from there. So the biggest win of the season, 3-0 over the, uh, at the weekend uh, against Cabantilli in the Cup. They host Galway United. John, looking to get back to winning wins after defeating Tala? Yeah, and uh, this could be interesting because I think we've seen some good progress under Ian Ryan for Wexford. Like, so um, that'll be a long, it's a long journey. For, for the lads from Galway, you know, um, right down to the southeast of the country. So we'll see. You know, it could, it could be a game that they that they they put it up to to Galway, and, and you never know. And again, don't ever rehash what we keep saying. But it's in, you know, it's a it's a strange league. There's inconsistencies. You never know what type of forms you're going to get. And it could be one where Wexford, uh, you know, building off last week, think they can you know get something. And I suppose Ian would even take a point, like if he could. And uh, from a Galway point of view, like they need to keep the train moving. So realistically, they should go and win that game because of, of the position Wexford are in the table. Yeah, now Cork City, they host UCD. It's a strange looking league table. The second last in the league, but their goal difference is only minus two. Um, so they've had some big wins and they've got obviously got talent. They can go out and beat Sligo at the weekend. UCD are kind of hit and miss through the summers most of the time because of a changeover of players. Uh, you thought for that. Is it an opportunity for Cork to start build some momentum or will UCD be, I suppose, too strong for them going into this game? Yeah, like we haven't seen, we've seen Cork win a couple of games, like we said, like with a bit of, you know, style and a bit of flair, but then it never kicked on and we never really seen a, a progression. I'd still expect UCD to kind of go and win this one, even though they haven't been in, in, the, in the best of form. But I think that their group of players is talented enough to go down and win the game, like, you know, but... If Cork want to do anything, it's kind of now. Like you know, they, they, I think ideally they'd like to see you know a bit of progress from from their young players, even if it doesn't result in a in a playoff position come the end of the year. I think a strong finish. So there's there's hope for the following season. So it, it starts now from them if they if they want to do that. Like you know. Yeah, no, it's a big weekend for them. Uh, in terms of the final game, then of course the local derby for you, Cabinteely and Bray Wanderers. Um, would you go along to that? Would you get tickets to that? Are you, do you go to games if you're off on a Friday night, or is it? What's your normal routine? What's your thoughts on the game as well? I suppose. Yeah, well, like I always would have went to a game if we were playing on a Saturday, but you know, with the way things have been, and you know, fans haven't been allowed in or whatever, like hasn't something not something I've looked to do and um, might start again you know if there's if there is tickets available and, and the crowds are getting a little bit larger but um 
like I don't know what to say about Cavendish because it's just it could they could win five nil, they could lose five nil, they could be four all. Like you just you don't really know. Um, I think like guys will be disappointed with last week and but but so will Pat. Like Pat will be disappointed, but. I'd say Pat just expects a bit of wild inconsistency. I don't think Gaz does, uh, you know, so uh, I think Gary will be a little bit more disappointed with what happened out at Pat's and probably looking for a reaction there. And um, what I'm trying to say is that that match could be 10 all and I don't really know. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, What do you put that down to? Because it's very much a Cavendini thing, not necessarily anybody yeah. else. It's just whenever yeah. they're Cavendini. Um, why are they so inconsistent? You, you obviously know, you know uh, some of the people involved there very, very well over the years. You've played at Bray with Pat for years and some of the players, have, you've been floating in the same circles. What's the inconsistency down to? Because it's been over a season. It's not just a one-off. Yeah, it's been since they came in the league almost. I just The only thing that... I'm on the outside, so I don't know what they work on and things like that, but um, I would suggest whatever the style that they try and implement probably wins them some games and then loses them some games. So if they can get the upper hand using that style, they'll go on and win that game because they'll play like a train. If they can't get the upper hand and they fall behind, then they don't have the plan to kind of come back in the game and and, and garner a result at that point. So I think it's just the way they're set up and that it's the opposition. If they can counteract it kind of immediately and get on top, they'll stay on top. And if they can't, Kevin Teeley will be on top for the game and it inevitably means they'll either win or they'll lose. Yeah, well, listen, on that note, that's how, that's the fo- game of football, isn't it? You either win or you lose. Uh, busy weekend again. Best of luck to you on, on Saturday as you play your own game uh, in that bid to survive in the Premier Division of the League of Ireland this season. Dean, it's been a pleasure as always and we will chat to you uh, again probably in two weeks' time when you're back with us. Thanks, Brev.